Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to everyone, all the mothers and all the children that have mothers, aren't we thankful? Um, when they asked me to speak, I didn't realize it was Mother's Day. Uh, this was a month and a half ago, so don't judge me yet. <laughs> they asked me to speak, and I said, sure. You know, I, I had a message that I had been studying that I had already kind of prepared and gone over. And uh, about a week later, I was reminded... Um, we'll call it through the Holy Spirit, I guess, that it was Mother's Day and that I might want to rethink the message that I was preparing. Um, and then I thought about it and I thought, why in the world would I be asked to speak on Mother's Day? Um, but I have the best mother. So if you have any questions, you can ask my brother and uh, he'll, he'll tell you the same thing. Our, our mom was the best. And uh, we're going to look at a couple things in the scripture today and we're going to go over uh, the, one of the lives of a, of a mother that we all know, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, but we are going to look at aspects that we can take away. Because the goal of a mother is to train their children in the way they should go. And so we, we want to look at these godly mothers in the scripture, and we think, what is it that they're living out that they had such godly children? Um, how can we live that out as well? How can we learn from these mothers in the, in the scripture? Uh, one of the things about uh, Mary is uh, we have been turned off to the teaching about Mary, I think, because of the false doctrine that comes along with her and uh, the weight that comes behind it, um, that they, they exalt her uh, on an equal par with the Lord. Um, but we are going to, of course, look at what the scripture has to say about her so we will not uh, run into any of these false teachings. Um, one, of the reasons, one of the things I wanted to point out, we are going to get some teaching today, is a lot of people uh, question the virgin birth. They question whether Mary was truly a virgin, whether Jesus was, was virgin born. And uh, some believers I've heard, they say, well, it's not that big a deal. Um, but it is a big deal. And I'm going to tell you why. There is a, a prophecy in the book of Jeremiah in chapter 22 where God tells the prophet that there will be no heir that will be born of this man. I think it was Jehoi Jehoiakim at the time. No heir of Jehoiakim will sit on the throne of David and that his son will be childless. So we have a problem, because Christ was supposed to be coming through the line of David, but he just pronounced that no one will sit upon that throne that comes from that line, and there was no more sons. So you, you have an issue. Um, if no one can come through that line, how's he going to get there? Well, he was virgin born, because in, it's funny, in Matthew, we were reading in Matthew this morning, in Matthew 1.18, it talks about now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. And you don't have to worry about turning to all the scriptures. We're going to be going to a bunch of different places. If you want to follow along, please do. If not, that, that's, that's not a problem. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, uh, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the prophet spoke by the Lord. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep 
and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And so the, the scripture that's often given with the birth of the Lord to a virgin is this one that's found in Isaiah. But what we have that's interesting is that when Matthew is presenting Christ, he's presenting Christ as the coming king, the king that will come to reign um, in Israel from Jerusalem. And in order to reign as king, he would have to come from the kingly line through Solomon. And that's where Joseph falls in line. So that's where we have the genealogy where Joseph is in the line of Solomon. And in Luke, in Luke chapter 1, it's different. In Luke chapter 1, it gives us the genealogy that, uh, through Nathan. And we find that Mary herself is in the line of David. And so she was born through the line of David and that's where both those things meet perfectly. She was of the line of David, was, was, or, and, he, and Jesus was given uh, to go to the throne through that line. And he had the judicial right because his father, Joseph, here on earth, was in the kingly line. So that's why it's important that she's virgin born. One, because God had pronounced a curse that no son of his would sit on the throne. So that's why uh, it is important to believe in the virgin birth of the Lord, because if you didn't, you would go against what Scripture teaches. And we don't want to go against what Scripture teaches. And we're going to look at a couple things about that today. But in Luke 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so we're going to look at a couple of things that uh, we see in Mary um, in this situation. One thing is Mary was, was fairly young. She was in her teens, anywhere from 13 to 16. So a very, very young girl. Um, and a lot of times in today's day and age, we have this uh, time in our lives we call adolescence and what it does is it gives us license to live however we want from about 13 to about 26 so I'm 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 just at that age where it's like okay 26 okay now 27 okay now you now you have to get serious and one of the problems we see in that is it's uh, it's bred a lot of uh, irresponsibility um, you know people aren't make more apt to make commitments to get serious about things that when they give their word to do something, it means something and there's consequences if it doesn't happen. Um, and we've seen the trend go that way. Um, but we see in the scripture that there's young people in the scripture that have a great deal of maturity. 
And that's what we're after. We're after maturity. Uh, Mary is one that, that does um, exude this maturity. The one thing that we see, too, is a lot of times messages are given to men, and the men don't believe. Um, we have Zacharias, who is a, a, a priest, and he's praying for a son. He's, he's going before the Lord, and the angel appears to him and says, you'll, you'll have a son. And he says, no, no, my wife's barren. He's like, well, what are you doing praying for it then? I don't understand. If you don't believe it'll happen, then what's, what's all this going on? And what we see there, that there was a, 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 a punishment, basically. He was kept silent until his son was born. Um, but we have in the scripture where there's many uh, times that the women are approached, and the women believe. The women have this faith. Uh, we, think of, we think of Mary, we think of Hannah, we think of Mary Magdalene at the tomb. Um, there's many instances in the scripture where the, the woman believes and the, and the man does not. Um, but even at this very young age, uh, we see that she was a thoughtful girl. Uh, when the angel greeted her, she was questioning what kind of salutation is this? Why are you asking, you know, this is kind of awkward. Um, and she was perplexed. One of the things that's interesting is that we kind of hold the virgin birth as a, um, a, a greater miracle. Uh, I don't know if it's a greater miracle that, that the Lord was virgin born or that a woman was past bearing years and not able to bear and then was able to bear a child. Um, it just so happens that there are many mothers in Scripture that were past bearing years that weren't supposed to be able to bear children. Uh, we think of Sarah. Uh, we think of uh, Rebecca. We think of Hannah. Um, we think of Elizabeth here. There's many mothers mentioned throughout Scripture where they should have been past their bearing years. But because of their faith, they knew that if they prayed to the Lord and if they followed the Lord, um, there's a verse in the Psalms, and now I can't remember where it is, but there is a verse that says, for those whose delight is in the Lord, God will give you um, the desires of your heart. And so we, we've seen that to be true, um, because these women found their delight in the Lord, and they, their desire was, I, I, want, I want a child, and they were blessed with a child. Um, so they, they, they were women that took the word of God seriously, and they were women that were looking uh, for God to move. They weren't just looking at this life as, well, I just go and I do what I'm told and I kind of just mingle my way through. No, they were looking for God to actually do something, for God to move. And I think that's a characteristic in, in women. Often they, they, they do something because they want something to happen. You know, they make a statement because, hey, you know, you need to do this now. And don't wait, but do it now. And so that's kind of the same attitude. They have this, this faith where they, they see something written and they say, I want to see it happen. And God rewards them. Um, for, this, for this attitude that they have. But the angel comes and gives Mary a prophecy and tells, him, tells her that she's going to bear a son of the Holy Spirit, the son of, the son of God. Tells Mary all these great things that are going to happen. And Mary is excited. She says, okay, let's do this. Um, what isn't told is the amount of suffering that's going to take place. Um, at this point in time. She's, she's, not, she's not informed that with this there's going to be a great deal of sorrow, there's going to be a great deal of suffering. Uh, she's told the, the positive things that are going to take place. And um, she takes that with her, and she asks a question of her, her, Elizabeth is her cousin, and so John the Baptist and the Lord were indeed cousins, but Elizabeth was her cousin, she went to stay with Elizabeth, and the one thing that... Um, 
she was amazed at was that she was a virgin and she was going to bear a child, and her cousin was well beyond her childbearing years was going to have a child. And she asked kind of how can these things be? And in verse 37, we have the famous verse, for nothing will be impossible with God. And we kind of take that as like, a, you know, you can do anything. Nothing's impossible with God. Whatever you want to do, you can do, and God can make it happen. And that's not really what the verse is saying. Um, what it's really saying is any, no saying of God is impossible. So if God says it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. There's no saying that God gives that's impossible. And really the tense is really no word said. So no word said is impossible. And so it's not a, it's not a matter of uh, we can do anything because we can do anything. It's we can do it because God said we could do it. Uh, Mary had a, a, a son and she was a virgin because God said she would have a son and she was a virgin. So that's the, the same tense that we take that Mary had to receive at that point in time was she had to have faith that what was being told her was true. And in the same sense, that's something we need. Um, we need that faith that what's being said in the word of God is true. Um, I have a, a friend who he's a lives in England, and he has two kids, and I think they're, they're young. They're like six and four, maybe, and they, they live kind of in, and they were going to take this big trip to the, to the water. They were going to go to the beach, and they were going to play around, and, you know, the kids didn't know how to swim, but they were going to wear the life jackets, and then they could, the dad was telling them, you can do all of these things, and this and that, and the kids were all excited, I'm going to do this, and they were showing them on the ground, you know what I mean, I'm going to do this when I get into the water, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this, and on the other one, oh, now I'm going to do this, and they get there, and the dad tells them, okay, this is what it is, this is how it's going to hold you, and when you get into the water, this is going to help you keep afloat, and they're like, oh, okay, okay, and they run to the water, and they hit the water, and they freeze, and he says they, they won't move. They're just standing there, and they won't take their feet off the floor. And I keep telling them, I get in the water, I'm laying in the water, I'm doing all these things. And the kids are like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, it'll do it. I know, I know, it'll hold me. Okay. And see, what happens is they knew all of these things in their mind. Um, before I was saved, Kathy used to ask me these questions. Do you, you, know, do you believe in God? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe that he was born of a virgin? that he died on the cross, that he rose again the third day, and that his blood cleanses you from your sins. Yes, I know all of those things. But I didn't have faith in those things. I just knew those things. I had never really said, okay, when, when you know, the rubber meets the road, that's, that's where I'm putting my, my basket. You know, I, I, in the end, really, I, say, I believe all these things, but if you ask me, okay, so what's the, what's, how do you get to heaven? I say, well, you've got you to do good. You've got to be a good person. You know, you, you got to do what's right, and you got to live a certain way. And what the Bible teaches is that there is nothing you can do to earn your way. And when you're hit with that, you think, well, no, that doesn't make sense. And when Mary was told, you're going to have a son, she says, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. And he says, no, no saying of God is impossible. You're going to have a child. And it's the same, it's the same instance with us. You don't understand. You, you can't get there on your own, but don't, but don't worry. I sent my son in your place. And so my friend who was telling me the story of his, of his kids playing in the, in the water, and he said they just wouldn't take their feet off the ground until one moment. And the younger one, 
His feet came off the ground and he panicked real quick for a second and then he was able to float. And then he was telling the other brother, okay, no, it's okay. No, really, it's, it's true, it happens. And so, and so the other one kind of was like, mm, no, no, I don't think so. Maybe it works for you because you're lighter. You know, you're not, as, you're not as big as I am. You know, you're the little one, so that's probably why it's okay. And he says, well, dad's bigger than you and it holds him, you know. And so finally, the, the other one takes his feet off the ground, and they just had a ball. You know, then they were able to go out and around, and, but they didn't put their faith in that life vest until they took the feet off the ground. That's what we're after. That's what Mary was, was indeed at this point showing us, that she could have said, oh, okay, and then just gone back and gone home and this and that, and then all of a sudden, no, it's true. There is a baby, and it is coming, and I haven't known a man, and all these things happen. And so what happens is we, we want to trust in that before it's too late. Um, because there will, there will come a time when everything's revealed and we'll know what's, what's true and what's not. Um, we want to make that decision to trust Christ while we're here before we die. Um, there's a statement that goes, uh, you know, all roads lead to God. And in a sense that's true. Um, but on what terms? All roads lead to God. This road goes to heaven. This road goes to hell. What's the difference? They're all the same people. They all... You know, this guy tried to do his best, this guy tried to do his best. Well, one had trusted Christ, and the other one had not. And so what Mary's teaching us here is Mary had this kind of faith that when God said something, she said, okay, I believe it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to prepare. And so she did. And so she says uh, at the end, she says, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Uh, that's what we're after. May it be done to us according to the word of God. And so Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, and she says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. So we have this uh, passage where, really, Mary is exalted for a couple of things. Um, she's exalted for humility, and she's exalted for the fact that she considers herself a bond slave uh, to the Lord. Uh, her body is not her own. Her life is not her own. These things don't, um, don't belong to her. She's a bond slave. And that's one thing that's hard for us to wrap around in our mind because everything we've been taught in culture is to say, you're your own. You make your own decisions. You're this, you that. It's all about you. And really what the Word of God teaches is that's not true. 
uh, you belong to God. And if you've been purchased by Christ, then you belong to him even more. Um, and the, the instance here given is that she's been exalted because she's humble, but she's been exalted among women. Um, she was the one given the opportunity to give birth to, to Jesus Christ. Um, that was the gift. The gift was that for, for all eternity, they would look back and say, when God came down and dwelt with man, he was born by a virgin, uh, Mary. The one instance that we see here is everything's happy. I mean, everything's good. We're all excited. And Kathy and I were the same way. You know, the baby's coming, and we're just all excited. Now, when the baby comes, people tell me it'll be a little bit different. Um, you'll be excited, but it'll be a little different. And I think that's the case here. You know, everything's just joyful. Everything is happy. All these things are taking place. But what they're really excited about is the fact that God is about to move. God is about to come and dwell with his people. And Israel is going to be, in a sense, redeemed at this point in time. The Messiah is coming. Um, that's really what they were excited about. Uh, women, you know, have babies all the time. But this was a, a special baby. This was the Messiah. And so that's what thrills their heart. That's what thrills their soul. And we have this instance um, where Mary leaves and um, John the Baptist is born. And we have John the Baptist. But when Mary was come full term and she, the baby was coming due, um, they had gotten word that they had to go to Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth and they had to get to Bethlehem because there was a census taking place. Um, Mary was nine months pregnant um, had to go on, 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 I would imagine, a donkey and ride down to Bethlehem. And when he got there, I could only imagine Joseph, you know, looking for a place to stay with a pregnant wife, and there's no place to stay. And the, the panic that would ensue, and how do you tell, you know, your wife who's nine months pregnant that, you know, we have to stay in the inn, we, have to, we, have to, we can't stay here. We have to stay in the, this manger where all the animals are, where all of the feces and stuff is, and this is where we're going to have to stay. And then she's giving birth. Um, you know, that's one of those probably like lower moments in their own mind at the time that things have, things have not worked out in the way that, you know, I thought God would do them. Um, but we see that uh, Mary gives birth. We see that many people come from all over, and they present the Lord with gifts. And Mary's kind of just sitting back, and she's kind of just taking it all in. And she, 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 it says that she um, treasured these things in her heart, and so she's remembering these things. And I think that's what's important. Um, the things that we see, she's looking at them now from the perspective of how is God working. And we see that you know, she, the baby was born in a manger. All these things happened. She could have been very upset. But then the way God was working to bring everything together, to, to glorify and exalt her son that was there, um, she was looking for those things to take place. Um, another thing for mothers, uh, it's in, we'll do Luke 2, verse 21. It says, And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And we'll stop there real quick. 
But the point I wanted to make is that, you know, uh, we talk about the Lord as he fulfilled the law. He didn't break the law. Everything that was in the law, he fulfilled. And there's certain things that were in the law that your parents, in a sense, had to do for you. Um, when they presented you and they had you circumcised the eighth day, when they offered up the proper sacrifice for the opening of the womb for Mary um, before the Lord, there were certain things that had to take place um, in order for that law to be fulfilled. And you'd say, well, it's fulfilled in the, in the eyes of the parents. The parents were fulfilling that law. Yes, but it does have an effect on the son. Because we see with Paul, it's the same thing. He, is, in a sense, takes glory that he was circumcised the eighth day. So what we take away from that is as mothers, you're responsible for the bringing up of your son at that age when he can't do it himself or she can't do it himself. And we see that it, oftentimes when you look at a, uh, a person that you know, didn't turn out so well, the problem can be traced back to when they were kind of under the care of the mother, and they didn't get a chance to do it on their own. Um, and, and they were shown to do it a certain way, and then it didn't, nothing changed. It kind of went that way. And so the, the amount of importance that's placed on mothers uh, tenderly caring for their children to bring them up in a way that's proper, to bring them up in a way. So, you know, the fact that we're all here this morning should be a, an encouragement to the mothers that, you know, we were taught that uh, the Lord was important that God mattered, and that it mattered to live godly. Um, and that's why we, we gather here today, a lot of it uh, under the influence of our, our mothers and the way we were brought up. Now we have where we're getting into this portion where things, things aren't looking so happy. Um, Simeon appears and he says, This man was a righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when his, the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, he then took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is, a, this is the, the hard part about being a, a godly mother that wants their children to live godly. Um, if that's truly the case, there is a chance that you will suffer great sorrow. You will suffer great sadness. Um, what was told to Mary on the eighth day of the child being born was that there will be a, a sword that will pierce your, your soul. And it, it's going to be real hard. Um, Mary's name actually means bitterness, means sorrow. We have the tree of Mara uh, in the Old Testament, the uh, tree of bitterness. Uh, Mary is a word that means bitterness. It means sorrow. Um, these are things that uh, kind of almost show forth her life. Uh, it was one of a great deal of, of sorrow and sadness, but we see that that didn't deter her. And we see that the things that she said and committed to when she was young, when she was a young girl, when the Lord was on the cross, she committed to the Lord. And she considered herself a bond slave. 
And so whether in the good, happy moments that we have where everything is joyful and we praise God and we're singing songs together and everything's great, and then there's that point when we're all gathered around the hospital bed and, you know, people are suffering and it's, it's not easy and you glorify God and you praise God. That's, that's the difference. That's where that faith comes in. Do you really have that faith or is this just this knowledge? Because we don't want to wait till we get to that point where we find out it was all just knowledge and I really don't believe any of what's going on here. Um, we see that that didn't take place um, with Mary, that even though she was told these things, um, prophesied these things, uh, that they were confident in what God would do. And what's interesting is um, we have, again, this is one of the only instances we have um, when the Lord was a child. He was about 12 years old. In verse 41, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast, and as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among the relatives and acquaintances. Uh, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So this is where we have this instance, and uh, if any mother's ever uh, lost their kid for a moment, they probably know exactly what was going through Mary's mind. Um, they travel the day, they're leaving Jerusalem, and a day later they realize Jesus isn't there. And the panic builds up, and they say, well, he's probably in a caravan somewhere. They went up and traveled together. And so they're going up and down the caravan looking for Jesus, and they don't find him. And, you know, got to go back to Jerusalem and, and see what, what's going on. So they go back to Jerusalem another day's journey. They're looking for him for another day, and then they find him. He's in the temple. And I could only imagine. My brother was once lost. We went to, we went to Knott's Berry Farm. And I was supposed to watch him, so it's my fault. I was with a bunch of my buddies, and he had brought a friend. This was before, you know, five-year-olds had cell phones and iPhones. Um, we, I said, okay, let's everybody get in through the park. We'll meet up right in the front, and then we'll get going. And so my brother went in, his buddy went in, then I had like five guys that were with me. They went in, and then I went in. And I got there, and the five guys are waiting there. We're talking. They're planning our strategy. I was, I don't know how, I was like 13. Garrett was probably 10. And um, I'm looking for my brother, and he's not there. And I'm like, oh, no, he took off. And then, of course, like, being the older brother, like, you're just, like, infuriated. I can't enjoy my time here now. You know, I brought you along because mom and dad said I had to. And now all of this has gone the way I thought it would where it didn't work out in my favor. But what's interesting is the, the panic that ensued. And I told my mom and dad, so they, they came in. They weren't planning on staying, but they came in as well to look for my brother. Did no phones, no nothing. And it was, a, it was like a late opening. It was not scary farm, so it was like 
you know, it went till like 11 o'clock at night or something like that. And so it was nighttime. And so we bumped into my mom and dad like three or four times during the thing. And about 1045, my brother realized we don't have any way to get home. And being the, the voice of wisdom between the two of them, they said, we're going to have to find a security guard because that's the only way we'll be able to contact anybody. So they found a security guard. They get brought into the security office. And they call him, they, they, my brother, I don't know how he did because he doesn't remember much important things, but he remembered my mom's phone number and gave her a call. And they said, we have your, your son and his friend, and they're there. And, um, you know, it's moments like that when it's like they don't need to see the dad. You know what I mean? You're not really, you know, there's certain things where it's like, wait till your dad gets home, and then you'll be in trouble. But when you've been missing and, like, the mom's been worried, then it's like, oh, man, what's mom going to do? Like, what's mom going to say? And so at that moment, like, dad didn't go into the room. Mom went into the room. And, like, Garrett and his friend Kyle were, like, I mean, like, white as ghosts. They were panicked. They didn't know what they were going to do. Where have you been? We were just having fun. We didn't know, and this and that. And so the, 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 anytime I think of this story, I flash back to that moment, the panic. You know what I mean? The worry that you have. And in this case, it would have been a very, very serious. Three days had gone by, and you didn't find him. He's 12 years old. And they get there, and she kind of gives them a, a stern talking to, why have you treated us this way? And he kind of put things in their place. Don't you know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business? Didn't you think I would be in my father's house? You know, in a sense, I, I'm here for a reason. And if you're training your kids to be godly, you're training your kids to, to, to live for God, there's going to be that moment all of a sudden where you come to them and you say, you know, I, don't, I think you should be doing this. They say, well, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do this. And if you read any kind of missionary story, unless their parents were, were extremely godly people, there was normally a bit of contention when they found out that they were going to go on the mission field. And, you know, the, the, the dream life of, well, they're going to marry this doctor and everything's going to be happy and we're going to have children that live right down the street and all that's gone. And they're going to be thousands and thousands of miles away living for the Lord. And at that point in time, it's like there's this, there's this bit of sorrow that takes place here. And we see that Mary remembers these things. She treasures them in her heart, that that was almost a reminder to her that he has, he has a work to do. And so at 12, he goes back and he subjects himself to his parents. Um, we have another instance in uh, Luke uh, chapter 8. And it's another harsher instance. He's, he's preaching before the people. And at this point in time, he has about four brothers. He has sisters, um, half-brothers, half-sisters. And, um, you know, there's a false teaching that they teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin. That's not the case. She had many kids after that. Jesus had um, brothers that he would refer to. And at this point in time, the brothers didn't believe in him. They didn't believe that he was, he was the Messiah. Um, it says, and his mother and brothers came to him. This is in verse 19 of chapter 8. And they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Um, that would have been another piercing moment um, for the family. You know, we, we have a teaching that's going on today that the natural family is, is very important and we need to protect these things. And I think it's honestly in response to the way the world is going and the fact that the family isn't valued and single mothers and single fathers and, and, and divorce and kids spending time in both camps and no real family unit. And because of that, we've reacted with this natural family, 
even I spend time with my church family, but now I have to go home with my family. And the Word of God doesn't teach things that way. Um, we're family if we hear the Word of God and we do it. We're brothers, we're sisters, we're mothers. That, that's how this works. Um, we've been born again into this family. And so uh, it's just an added plus when our mem- the members of our natural family are members of our spiritual family, and we get to enjoy those things all the time. Um, we have, in this case, it says, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. That would have been a sharp reminder. Uh, we see later on, after the Lord is risen, that his brothers do believe that he is the Messiah um, from the things that they've seen with his own eyes. Real quick. After that, um, Mary really isn't mentioned uh, too often. She's mentioned at the cross, she's mentioned at the tomb, and she's mentioned um, in Acts chapter 1 when they're praying for the Spirit to come. Um, After that, uh, we don't see any more of of Mary. But at this time, one of the things we haven't talked about is the fact that Mary as a mother had to uh, bear a great deal of shame. uh, back then, it was obviously looked down upon if you were to have a child out of wedlock. Um, she was willing to bear that shame, and for her entire life, um, she was looked down upon because of that, um, because she bore the Lord. And she was willing to, be, to do that. And we see even Jesus had to face ridicule, that he was the son of fornication. Um, and he, he, too, had to follow that his entire life. So not only did the mother have to bear it for herself, but then seeing it put on him, she had to bear it for him as well. Um, so the amount of sorrow that uh, mothers seem to have, the capability, the special gift from God to be able to withstand um, fathers, it doesn't seem that in Scripture they get that. Um, a lot of times when you have a, a godly son that comes up or a godly child that comes up, they had a great mother. Um, father could be one way or the other, and it... It was a, kind of almost like a toss-up, you know, whether they lived godly or didn't live godly based on the Father. Um, but in John chapter 19, verse 20, let's see, 25, the Lord is on the cross. Um, Mary has been there, watched him um, being beaten, um, watched all of the false accusations against him, and seen the nail prints go into his hands, seen the nail go into his feet, and hoisted up on a cross where it didn't even resemble him anymore. He was beaten so badly. You couldn't even recognize him. And in verse uh, 25 it said, uh, Therefore the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus uh, were his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. We see that Mary was with the Lord till the end. And she, she witnessed all of these things. And that's what the piercing of the soul comes in. Um, to witness you know, a child to go through these things, especially um, Jesus himself, all of the things that he had to suffer that were in a way, uh, unjust. But in order for him to suffer in that way, that was the only way we could be redeemed. That was the only way God's plan could be fulfilled. The difficulty we have, Kathy and I, um, now expecting our first child, is that we want our child to live godly. We want them to, to, to live for the Lord. 
And the reality is we're facing moments like this when, you know, they do live for the Lord and everything becomes uh, sorrowful. And to, 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 to walk with the Lord at this point in time that we can build this relationship with the Lord that when that moment comes, we'll be prepared. Um, so that's the difficulty here. We have Mary who obviously lived this life because when that moment came and everything looked terrible, she was there. And we see that the Lord um, reached out and made sure that his mother was taken care of. Uh, the interesting thing in the scripture is that he never, he never speaks to her as mother. It's always um, lady or, or madam. And the scripture comes out woman and people get very offended. But it's really like a madam or a lady type of term. Never addresses her as mother. And in this case, we, we assume that Joseph is past. Um, we don't see him from the time Jesus was 12 until here. Um, there's really no mention of, of him in and out. So we would imagine that he, is, he has passed away. Therefore, Jesus being the, the oldest son, makes sure that his mother is cared for. I mean, it's a reminder to children, um, our mothers were responsible to us in the years that we couldn't do it. We're responsible to our mothers in the year when they, when they need us. That's the, that's the trade. That's the way God worked it out. And what's going on today is that people have gone away from the word of God, and that's falling apart, and everyone's wondering what happened. Well, we stopped glorifying God, we stopped reading his word, and we're no longer following it, and everything's falling apart, and we're kind of, oh, woe is me. Uh, but the encouragement today is that to, to, to look at Mary, to look at the things that she went through, and to realize that it was for a, a greater purpose. She was given a son that would save the world from their sins. They, he would be the Lamb of God um, that would die on the cross for, for all of us. Now, in order to be with him for all eternity, we actually have to put our faith in that that our faith is not in ourselves and what we can do. And yeah, I understand that the Lord died and that's great, but we have faith that he died in our place. His life was for mine. Um, it's a different one. We, if we haven't had that faith, we've got to take our feet off the ground and we've got to rest on that life vest that's out there. Enjoy it. Um, but that's just a, a thing for mothers. We're going to have a, a much more fun time. The kids are going to come in and sing a couple songs to their moms and... Um, We'll go ahead and close in a word of prayer real quick. Our Heavenly Father, we do, we do thank Thee. Uh, we thank Thee indeed for Your Word. We thank Thee for Your Son and that You were willing to give Him in our place uh, to purchase us. Father, that indeed uh, by faith we can know for sure that we will be with You for all eternity. And Father, we do ask a blessing upon all of our mothers, all the mothers here, future mothers. And we just pray, um, Father, that they would indeed... Uh, uh, be blessed and take that, uh, that wonderful privilege of having children as a joy. And, Father, that we would continue to uh, raise up children that indeed love and, and would long to serve you. We just ask a blessing upon the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.